From Dirty Spoon Media, I'm Jonathan Ammons. This is Home Fried. Stories to keep you informed and entertained during the COVID-19 lockdown. We are based in Asheville, North Carolina, but we will be bringing you stories from around the world. Today, we take a trip across the pond to Freiburg, Germany. Katrin Doza, whom regular listeners will know as the founding art director for the Dirty Spoon, moved to Germany a few years ago. Raised by an American-born mother and her German-born father, Katya speaks pretty fluent German. So after cutting her teeth at two James Beard-winning restaurants in North Carolina, Curate and the much-missed Knife and Fork, she traveled to the homeland of her father to try something different. Once in Freiburg, a haven for the arts, alternative, and green culture in Germany, she took a job at a vegan cafe there. With all this talk in the States of how restaurants are coping with these shutdowns, how cooks and servers are getting by, I thought it might be nice to check in with Katya. On one hand, to see how restaurants in Germany are coping, but also to understand what is happening to expats around the world. Here's my conversation with her. Okay. So at some point, the cat might jump on the bed. No worries. Um. No worries. (laughs) It's late where you are, right? What time is it? It's almost 10 o'clock. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, so I'm, my name's Katrin Dose. I'm currently living in Freiburg, Germany. That's in the southwest of the country. I grew up in Asheville. I'm half American, half German. I've been living here in Freiburg for about three years. I work in a small vegan cafe and a restaurant that's attached to a theater. In the vegan cafe, I work almost full-time, so about 35 hours a week to 40 hours a week. We do, I mean, cafe, relatively simple food, and our main income is through kindergarten catering, so we produce food for kindergartens and daycares. The other job, we are more of a classic sit-down restaurant and get most of our guests through theater, (laughs) forgetting my English, um, Veranstaltungen, through events that are put on by the theater. Hmm. Um, So these are all things that are being disrupted right now. Yes. I wonder if you could just describe what your city was like and kind of the timeline of how things came about there and how how things started shutting down. Yeah, for sure. Um, So Freiburg is southwest Germany. Culturally, we have a lot of influence from... France and from Switzerland. Also, a lot of people commute between France and Switzerland. The French come here because of the better pay. The Germans go to Switzerland because of the better pay. The Swiss go to France because better food. Basically, everybody's traveling all over the place in kind of the the tri-country area here. Um, Yeah, and so my joke that I like to make is that Freiburg is basically Asheville, but everybody speaks German. It's a... (laughs) Down at the base of the Black Forest, kind of um, beginning of where it gets mountainous, university town, lots of young people, lots of artists. 
Um, definitely a tourist industry, not as strong of a tourist industry as Asheville, but a whole lot of arts, music, restaurants, um, definitely a lot of industries that are being hit directly by this because there's just a lot of creative industries. Like we have, we have several theaters. I don't know exactly how many we have the, the big city theater. We have the one by the restaurant where I work. We have one next to the restaurant where we work. There's two in my neighborhood, just small theaters. There's children's theater. Like off the top of my head, I could probably name like 10, 15 theater companies, not including dance theaters. Like there's just, there's a lot of arts and culture. I, um, my boyfriend works in the hospital. And so I definitely have a kind of weird insight into that. And about two weeks ago, he was kind of fake pouting about, Oh, the marathon's canceled. That's annoying. I think that was March 10th. I remember he was kind of in a bad mood because the marathon was canceled. He wasn't getting to take one of the courses through the hospital. And that within a five-day period shifted into him sending an open letter to me to please forward to people that I know to say it is vital that people do not gather outside. We need to flatten the curve. Um, Hmm. the policies here, um, the first thing that hit was, um, well, the first thing that affected me was March 12th, the travel ban in the U S and that was kind of, Oh, Oh shit. This is bad. Right. And then the 13th, we had a big catering planned for the, for the cafe. They canceled last minute because they decided they didn't want to take the risk. That night, we got the news that the kindergartens that we cater for, we feed about 70 children a week between three different children, uh, kindergartens. Um, we got the news that all kindergartens were clothing on Tuesday. So that's probably about, oh gosh, a couple thousand dollars in losses for the cafe right there. Mm. Basically that's our bread and butter, you know? Yeah. Um, and then since then it's kind of just been a slow tightening of restrictions yesterday night at about 11 i got the news that we were going into not a full-on shutdown with nobody being allowed outside but all public spaces being closed um to the point of city officials are taking the benches out of parks so that people are not able to sit and spend time in the park. And I think 
for me, it's a little bit because of the restaurant industry where I work and because my partner works in the hospital, I have a different perspective into the virus than somebody who's just like, oh, school's canceled. I'm going to meet my friends, you know? So for for me, I think there's a, there's a different level of seriousness than I think the, you know, the layman. Yeah. Layman? Yeah. So there's uh, like, that's one of the things I was wondering. Cause like here I'm noticing, I've been just getting in the car and driving through town, every part of town every day and just seeing what mm-hmm. the scene looks like around and who's out, who's not, if it's still packed. And it doesn't, it looks like the dead of winter here. It doesn't look like a quarantine, you know? There's still people yeah. out walking around. There's still out-of-state plates, people driving around and, and tourists traveling. I was wondering if how how it's looking in Freiburg. Like, it, are you guys, is it kind of actually shutting shifted. down? Saturday is the day that they're starting to enforce the, the restaurants closing, closing only vital trips outside. And our full-on lockdown is a little different than Italy. The Germans value outdoors and outdoor activities really, really highly. And so, you know, the the officials are are trying to keep balance of, okay, we don't want to have a medical crisis on our hands, but at the same time, being outside and going for a walk is just this integral part of German culture, you know? Yeah. You can still go walk your dog. So that's, Oh no, not just a dog. Like the, (laughs) the rules are really confusing. And I think a lot of people, people are reading it as in, Oh, this is a full quarantine. We have to stay and not, not do any non-vital activities, but the way it's written, it actually says you're allowed to be outside alone with two people or with the people that you live with. Um, hmm. so, so you can go out, go out with your family and take a walk and you're not going to get shut in. So that's a little bit, if I'm understanding it correctly, it's a little less strict than what's going on in Italy. But also keep in mind, this is a town, we border the Black Forest. Like I could walk out of my back door and through a series of trail networks just be in the woods, like deep into the forest. Um, so we're definitely, even though we're a city, we're a lot more rural. Um, and our restrictions are a little tighter than other areas in Germany because of the French border, because French is being hit really hard right now. Mm we have to adjust ourselves more to what's happening in France because there's so many commuters, because there's so many day tourists that come over from France. What kind of benefits do you receive as somebody that can't work right now in Germany? Um, well, right now, um, one of I have two jobs, right? So, the one job that I have where I'm a full-time employee, I receive the benefit called, it's called Kurzarbeit, which basically translates to shortened work. And it's a law that they put into place after the financial crisis in 2008. 
where if your work hours are cut during, due to unforeseen circumstances, the state will pay up to 60% of your salary. Oh, wow. So it's slightly different than unemployment. And of course, the the bad part of that is food industry. It's not like I have a huge salary. I make about um, $12,000, $12,000, $1,200. Wish it was $12,000. <laughs> I make about $1,200 a month and I'll be paid 60% of that salary. So about 700 something and years. What is, what is rent like for you there? My rent is a little over 500 euros. Um, but that is what it here is referred to as vomita. So that is rent, including water, heat, um, internet, electricity, and yeah. So it's a little under, a little under half of your income, a little under half of my income. Yeah. Yeah. How long are they estimating that this is going to go on what are they what are they telling you guys how long this this shutdown is going to last so the official dates for the shutdown are the tightened restrictions they're saying from the 21st of march till the 3rd of april oh wow so they actually gave you dates on it yeah, they they gave us dates. Oh, and that's nice. The in, in the states, in the states, we're only closing. getting. Uh, they could, said that it could last a month to thirteen. <laughs> so we're like, oh, cool! Just anywhere from a few weeks to a year. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there there is always the possibility that they change the dates, but. Um, I don't know if you've ever met a German people, a German person. <laughs> I don't know if you've met a German people. I don't know if you've ever met a German person, but um, the stereotype of order is right. <laughs> definitely, I mean, as a whole, the nation is relatively bureaucratic and has this sort of joy in rule following. Um and so we have we have really clear dates for the quarantine. Um, the kindergartens are canceled from the 17th of March is when it started. And they're saying the 19th of April is when they're going to lift restrictions. And for the tightened restrictions, that's going into place tomorrow on the 21st of March. And they're saying they'll be lightened on the 3rd of April. As a expat, is there any point at which they'll just tell you to get the hell out of the country? That is my fear. <laughs> yeah. Um, I looked. I looked on the. So basically, when things started to get critical here, where it became clear that um, that this was a crisis, that things were going to be bad. I wrote the woman in charge of my case at the immigration department and just wrote her an email and said, Hey, I have an immigration appointment on the 28th of April to renew my visa. I think because of the coronavirus that my, um, pay stub, yeah, pay stub is not going to really be true to what I 
earn in a normal month. And I wanted to know what sort of things you all are offering to handle that sort of situation. Yeah. Because, you know, right right now with the with the quits abide, I have enough money that I can survive on, but it's about a hundred and sixty euros short of what I need to keep my visa. Mm. Um, for my visa, the last number that they gave me was I need to earn 860 euros a month and cover my own health care to be able to stay in the country. And so right now, if I'm earning 720 euros a month, um, that's, that's below the amount they're requiring. Yeah, the visa thing is something that I was super worried about. Um, online, they're saying that they're going to waive certain rules. So if my visa runs out and we're still in quarantine, I'm still allowed to work. And just the next available appointment, we'll figure it out. Mm. If something happens, like what I'm worried about, where I'm not earning enough to prove that I'm allowed to stay in this country, they have something called a Fiktionsbescheinigung, which is a three-month green card that they use when you're in process. That's what they give refugees and immigrants that are new to the country that are looking for a job because you basically have to find everything at the same time. You have to get a job, find a house, be allowed to work your job, and you need all these papers to get the other papers, and it's incredibly difficult to get into the loop and so the the fiction shining is what they use to say okay you're allowed to be here you're allowed to do this and this and this but you don't officially have a visa yeah i'm gonna let the cat out really quick yeah go for it meow 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 over here (laughs) swear to god in 20 minutes she's gonna be scratching at the door like oh for sure that's how they are (laughs) What's going to happen to restaurants and kitchens like yours in Germany? Is there some kind of protection for those businesses or is there just a chance that we could come out of this a few months from now and all those be closed? I have no idea what's going to happen. We do have, Similar things as to what the U.S. has right now, where they're talking about waiving taxes, waiving rent, waiving all of these fixed costs to try and ease the load on small business owners and encourage them not to have contact with people. Hmm. Because right now... And that was something that kind of pissed off a lot of people in the um, in gastronomy is they when they put down these tighter restrictions, they kind of pointed the finger a little bit at people working the restaurants of like, oh, yeah, you know, people are still meeting and people are still having social contact and we need to tighten the restrictions. But four days ago, they were allowing it. You know, and a week ago they they were allowing everything. Yeah. 
so I th- I've talked to a few people that were kind of put off by the way that it was phrased of just, you know, pointing the finger at restaurant owners instead of saying, hey, you know, it was legal. It, we, all the information that they had was to say, okay, your tables need to be this and this far apart and you need to take card payments only and all of these things are suddenly, oh no, that's not good enough either. And um, the restaurants need to close down and be more responsible. Um, I have no idea what it's going to look like with restaurants. There's a lot of small businesses here that are have been struggling, have really just constantly been one rainy day away from closing in the first place Mm. and you know now we're about to have a month of rainy days yeah so i don't really know what that's going to look like it's kind of funny because before this hit i had made the decision to leave my job and to go look for something that was a little i mean I, I went from working in Kurute, which it, it employed a staff of, I think, 200 people. We were serving like 800 people a night, high-end food, to working in a cafe where a busy day is 45 people. And I was just noticing how much I missed the big production, you know? Yeah. And so right before this all hit, probably mid-February, I had already worked on my CV to apply to the MAD Academy in Denmark. And there was a couple of things at work that I just thought were not really my cup of tea. And I had gone around town and passed out my resume and I on Friday the 13th I had written the rough draft of my email to quit my job Hmm. like I I was really close to quitting I had two possibilities of a job lined up I was just waiting to hear back from a third person so that I could make a decision of okay, which which one of these three options for a great restaurant do I want to work at? Um, yeah, so basically I went from last week, seven days ago, having two jobs lined up, set, ready to hire me, ready to pay me 20% more than what I was earning, to not knowing if I'm going to have my job to come back to. Yeah. Like I, I only work the, the past week. I only worked on days when it was sunny, when we could have people outside in the restaurant. Now I don't know when I'm going to work again. I have no idea. Is that particularly scary thinking? I mean, my thought if I was in your position would be, 
oh my God, I might lose my job here. I might not be able to make my visa. I might be sent back to the U.S. And then once I'm there, that industry could be in complete collapse once I get back. Yeah, I mean, you definitely just opened up my closet and took out all the fears. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Didn't mean to do that, but no, kind of did. It's funny because I, um, I was out with my roommate the other day. We were trying to look for something that was open so we could get seeds for the garden. And we ran into a friend of hers who has a small restaurant with his partner. Um, they have a little farm to table place and he was definitely in a bad mood about the whole situation. Yeah. And I made the joke of like, Hey, at least finding employees isn't going to be a problem, (laughs) which is, uh, I don't know. It's a kind of dark humor that makes it hard for me to, no it's kind of true though like i was thinking about how like we've been battling over this massive labor shortage in Asheville for forever and Mm -hmm. you know that's kind of a hard truth is like Asheville was ready for a restaurant purge um yeah and the sad part is it's costing actual lives to go through these economic purges that might be really necessary to kind of reboot an economy. Um, But that's kind of what's happening. And it's, if this goes on for a really long time, it won't be a reboot. If it goes on for a short time, it could be a reboot to an economy. But what a sick way to look at the world when you're actually just looking at it from a monetary standpoint and not realizing the lives that have been, absolutely destroyed well, I think you, by this kind of thing you know i think you have that same sort of argument for the people that are saying hey look at this virus it's only killing the people who are older already have problems who are already you know at high risk who were very likely going to die within the next five right. years you know like let's honestly look at this mortality rate and you can turn it around and say hey let's Let's look at the mortality rate of the economy and say, oh, it's just weeding out all of the restaurants who are struggling. But, you know, I'm I worked at the cafe not because I'm like, oh, wow, I love vegan food, but because it's really important to me to find ways to get these small farm to table restaurants that are just you know, running on charm and peanuts to, to be functioning, you know, to, to take yeah. the systems that I learned from working under Katie or, you know, even the things that I learned when I wasn't working in the food industry of just like, Oh, like when I was teaching and how to organize a, a schedule, how to organize people and, and taking all of these organizational things and applying them to people who, who are just chasing their dreams. And, you know, like I took a pretty big pay cut to work for this restaurant, but that was my 
choice because I wanted to say, hey, I have all of this information of how to cost a menu, of how to organize the way that you do prep sheets, of how to organize a day so that you're cutting down on um, um, what is the word for what you pay employees, the overhead? Cost of labor. Labor costs. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, it's late (laughs) and I've been speaking German all day, even to my British roommate who speaks, I would say perfectly good English, but it's not American. (laughs) (laughs) Queen's Um, English. Queen's English. Queen's English. She speaks Queen's English. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it hurts because you can look at it and say, oh, the restaurants that are going to survive are the strong ones, but it's the restaurants that are going to survive are maybe the strong ones, but maybe it's the ones that are part of a franchise that just have, you know, millionaire backing them, you know, like McDonald's is going to survive this. Yeah. And that's not really the economy that I necessarily want to have be the only option in the future. And I think that's what is hard to swallow with that argument is like, okay, yeah, you're, you're, I don't know. I think I've gotten more sensitive to this whole like weeding out the sick and the weak since I've lived in Germany because our history is a little bit different when it comes to that. <laughs> It's a right. bit of a touchy subject here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm sure economically, if you look at it like a sociopath, you can say, well, great, we needed a few more restaurants to close. But I think it's this this thing where it wasn't anybody's choice and nobody planned for it. And now hundreds of people are out of work and still probably having to pay the way too high Asheville rents and yeah when you're a cook you don't always know what else you can do yeah like for a lot of people not for all people but for a lot of people cooking is kind of the plan b job or waiting tables is kind of the plan b job that they have and that they're incredibly good at but that they maybe took because something else fell through and i think you know, there, there's people where it's, I'm not trying to say like, oh, people wait tables as a hobby, but I think for a lot of people in the food industry, it was a career path that chose them mm-hmm. because they were because they were needed. Yeah, and now that it's a field where people are no longer needed. What do they do?
That was Katrin Doza checking in from Freiburg, Germany. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Home Fried. We'll be bringing you new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday with occasional episodes on Saturdays. To subscribe, just search for The Dirty Spoon Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Home Fried is a production of Dirty Spoon Media. I'm Jonathan Ammons, and I'm the editor-in-chief, produce the show, and write and record our interstitial music. Catherine Campbell is our editor-at-large, handles our webpage and marketing, and keeps the engines purring. For full episodes of The Dirty Spoon, or to check out the artwork, or to donate to our Patreon and help us keep doing this, just go to dirty-spoon.com. For anyone that donates there, I'll throw in a free copy of my new record, Second Sight, which might sound familiar to some listeners as we use a lot of the music as background music for our show. Subscribe and stay tuned. We'll be back Thursday, always bringing you more stories from the people who shape what we consume right here on The Dirty Spoon. <laughs>